Welcome to Women Wanting Women, where we explore topics that matter to women like us. We talk about being a woman, attracting women, and becoming more powerful women by developing more self-confidence and always reaching for the next level in our self-actualization. I'm your hostess, lesbian love coach, Jordana Michelle. And if you're interested in finally finding the woman of your dreams, so you could be best friends who learn and grow together and share dreams together and have adventures together and share passionate intimacy together, then also check out my website, womenwantingwomen.com, because it's packed with resources that can help you, including my guide to quickly and easily eliminating rejection from your life, a how-to guide for finding your lesbian soulmate, a quiz to find out what qualities the woman of your dreams will find most attractive about you when you meet her, a report that explains the three biggest mistakes most women make when coming out and how to avoid them, and a matchmaking survey you can fill out in case I already know the woman of your dreams. All of that is free at womenwantingwomen.com. But before we go any further, I have a question. Is it possible to heal our minds and bodies so fully that not only do we feel more positive and optimistic within ourselves, but to where that positivity and optimism actually becomes contagious to the people around us? Well, in this episode of Women Wanting Women, I talked to my friend Jenny Placencia, who's a physical trainer and a healer. Jenny has learned firsthand that healing is always possible in multiple ways. And during the interview, she talks about how all of us can start to tap into our own healing energies. Jenny, thank you so much for coming on this podcast. Thank you for having me. It's a pleasure. I'm really excited to have this conversation with you. The, from the minute we met, I could tell that you are a healer. You have such incredible energy. And I know that helping people heal their physical bodies is what you've dedicated your life to. How did you, when did that start for you? Like walk me through your journey of becoming a healer and, and how you got to where you are. So I actually used to play softball when I was in high school and there was, I, was, I went to a private uh, public school in the Bronx and very low income, of course, but I was fortunate enough to at least have a softball team, which was my family. And we would have practices every day. And one day I sprained my ankle pretty bad. And in public schools, even till this day, so I was 15, 20 years ago, even till this day, public schools do not have athletic trainers in their schools at all. They can't afford them. Um, and it would have been nice at the time because then that athletic trainer would have been able to tell me exactly what to do for my sprained ankle. Instead, I went to the doctor um, and he gave me an ace bandage, took an x-ray and sent me home, said I would be fine to stay off of it for a couple of days. And I did such things and I went back to playing softball and till this day, I still have ankle problems because your body is a kinetic chain. And once something goes off of alignment, something else is hindered. So I went to college. I wanted to be a nurse at the time. I actually opened up an academic advisement book and saw athletic trainer. And I was like, oh, this, what is this? I didn't even know what they were. So I shadowed someone and I was like, oh my gosh, if I had one of these, in high school, I would have been, I would have been fine. This is, this would have been like, I wouldn't have these issues. And I was in college. So I did athletic training and I got my, um, 
physical education with a concentration in athletic training at SUNY Brockport. And then I went on with a graduate citizenship to Georgia State University working at Georgia Tech. And it, it was beyond amazing. Two years traveling with the team, injuries, insane injuries, um, working with the best top doctors. And I was very fortunate enough to see my passion and actually grow from there. And now I am working at a private school in New York City, which I love and adore very much. That's so cool. You were able to see your passion so early and the fact that it came from something that you knew you so badly would have needed back in the day. Um, I don't want to miss the chance, though, for you to define deeper what you meant by kinetic chain. That's such an interesting concept about the body. Um, what does that mean to you? So your body has alignments and your body has joints and they're all interconnected. So think about it as a line and lots of dots. So once you move one dot out of the way, one line moves as well and then another one moves and then another one moves. Same concept with your body. The moment you injure your neck, that can affect your hand. The moment you injure your hip, that can affect your knee. Or the moment you injure your ankle, you can be having ankle pain, but in reality, it's coming from a hip issue because you're out of alignment. So your body is all connected with each other, each other parts. And so when you're helping people or when you're first meeting someone, is there a way that you can tell where the wrong dot is or is there no way someone can tell that? Like, is it easy for you to know which or which dot got moved around wrong or it's not like that, is it? So it's, so I, I worked in a physical therapy clinic for seven years, and I was fortunate enough to work with a lot of different physical therapists. Um, and it is extremely difficult and extremely hard to find the exact location of where your weakness is or your tension is or what exactly is wrong. Um, because sometimes we, we, are, we think uh, we're taught as health professionals you know, your injury is here, target here, but we're never actually taught sometimes that it's above or below or it's actually coming from your upper extremity and your injuries in the lower extremity. So it's something very difficult that you, it's kind of like a trial and error. So you have to try certain things out that you have to fix. So if your pain is coming from your hip, where, where's, that, where's that pain really? So let's start at the bottom. So we'll start with your ankle see if that fixes the issue. If not, start with your knees, see if that fixes the issue. If not, work on your core. I like to always start at the center. So I love to start at core and glutes. My number one thing, I'll always start strengthening. And then from there, I'll work, depending on what injury, but I always start there. Whatever exercises I implement. It would seem like you would have to, right? I mean, it's the most logical place to start because if, your, if your core is strong, you're talking about alignment, right? And I'm at imagining dots moving all over the place. And you're saying to me, like, how, what would you do to keep your dots in one place? I'd be like, I don't know, like have a strong core so that nothing can move. It's just, it's, it's, a... it's, it's, it's like a knowledge, right? It's like, oh, yeah, just fix the core, fix the core. But sometimes it'll like vary. Sometimes you won't even know. It can be coming from, like I said, your, your ankle. It could be as simple as your ankle. 
you know, it can be a muscle in your, in, in the, in the bottom of your foot. And then you don't even, you don't, you're unaware of it until you get that aligned, aligned back into place and strengthen the correct posture and fix and release the tension. It's not just one fix. You know, I never think it's only one fix. I think there's multiple ways of fixing the body. So then do you have to get people into great shape for them to heal? Is there, is there healing also a part? Is getting into way better shape part of it? So I, I won't say it's, um, it makes the process easier. Because if you come, if, you're, if, you, if you get injured and you are a person who works out, then your body was at least at its physical capacity, maximum physical capacity, where you're strong enough to withstand an injury. So you sprained your ankle, okay, you're injured. But when it comes to someone who's weaker, it's going to take them a little longer to heal, because they're not they might not be as strong as someone who's a little bit more under the uh, not used to using those muscles. So it varies. But the good news, I think, and what I would love to focus on is what is possible for healing, even if someone's out of shape, or even if they totally got, you know, whatever injury really messed them up, right? I mean, healing really is possible, right? Yes, of course, always. And like I said, there's many multiple ways. So um, for, for, so for me, uh, personally, I have something called endometriosis, which is um, basically toxin cells in my, around my ovaries that shoot out every every time I get my period, um, and it can go, it can affect your spine, it can affect your back, it can go to many different locations, wherever. And so, for me, it's not only a matter of physical healing, but mentally and naturally healing. So, what you're consuming as far as food, so I've been a vegetarian for the last five years, but I've been vegan or plant-based for the last year. And what you consume actually does a huge difference in healing your body. It's not only physical, but what you're consuming, because you need foods that are gonna make your body less inflammatory. So you wanna get rid of that inflammation. You want your body to naturally heal on its own. So I've tried many different things in order to help with that. Has the vegetarianism and the veganism made your endometriosis symptoms better? Yes, 110%. Like, I am able, before I would get really painful um, menstrual cramps, and now it's it's an easier flow. I've, I've actually even implemented vaginal steaming, which I also recommend. That is amazing because um, it helps reduce like I said, inflammation that helps reduce uh, menstrual um, cramping, helps re reduce the cyst itself. So there's many different ways. So that's been amazing. I also drink celery juice the first thing in the morning on an empty stomach, 16 ounces of it, fresh. Um, so it's like my first meal of the day. It's like... That's you know, hardcore. Yeah, it, it's a little insane, but it definitely makes a difference. And I think it's worth it because I've never been so spot on. Like my vision feels so clear. I love it. It's great. I have a lot more appealing to do. And I think you're always going to heal and you're always going to learn. It's like a never ending process. I'm going to be 90, hopefully still here, mind right and still healing or still learning. So. Right. Life is a journey. Let's talk about some more mindsets about healing that you think are important for anyone that has 
parts of them that they want to heal. Other than I love the mindset, like starting with just what you just said, is that healing is a lifelong journey um, is one great mindset. But um, what are some of your top mindsets that you work with when helping people heal? So I think what I've noticed is when people come to me and it, regardless of whatever it is, um, there's an injury or, you know, if someone is just going through a, a negative time in their life, I think it's extremely important to be as optimistic as possible. I think positive thoughts, positive energy goes a long way. And I say that because a lot of times we focus our energy on the negative, such as watching the news, which I, I don't do, which is watching a scary movie, which is fine for a time period, but you don't want that negative aura around you and it's not really going to help you long-term heal. I think it's important to remember that it comes from your state of energy around you and it all has to do with being as vibrant as you can. Not always, of course, we have to process whatever we go through, but as vibrant as possible. Vibrant. I love it. And it's funny what you're saying about scary movies because there were uh, times during which I was... I love them. You love them. Yes, very much. But you don't watch them because you want to keep your mind focused on the positive. I don't watch them as much as I would like to because I want to try Because there's time where I watch one and then it's in my head for like a couple of days or a couple of weeks. And I'm like, this is not good for me. Obviously, I'm still thinking about this. Let me get this energy away from me or I'm allowing it to get to me because I also believe it's what you allow into your space yeah I, I was watching Game of Thrones when it when it was you know and I remember one time thinking to myself there are too many things I'm witnessing here that I never should have had in my like I should never even have conceived of this <laughs> some of the disgusting <laughs> things they were doing to each other like why do I have this idea in my mind now um, but so I like what you're talking about optimism I think sometimes when people are going through a hard time and when when you're when you're when when things just feel like nothing's going your way and then there's almost like I don't want to be optimistic or why should I have to and it's almost you know there's that inner that the the inner 2-year-old that wants to kick and scream and say I don't want to be positive why should I everything's unfair what are some pieces of advice you might have to that part of us and 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 some a way to coax ourselves into focusing on the positive and how, you know, I don't think everyone always knows how in those moments. So it's, it's not as easy as saying it in words. I think it's practice and we have to practice it more and more in order to become better at it. And I think it starts with allowing yourself to feel that negative part that you're dealing with, whatever it is, allowing yourself to process and then taking that energy and making sure you let go of it. So process, let go of whatever it is you're feeling, find a way to let it go and then focus your energy exactly on faking it sometimes. It goes a long way. Faking a smile goes a long way. Faking you know, being being as optimistic as possible. You know, I don't like to say that, you know, it, the more and more you do it, your endorphins actually believe it. So it, it takes some time, but I think it's extremely important 
to process and it's not as one day to the next I think it takes time so you will have time periods where long time periods where you're going to be dealing with a lot and that's normal and that's okay yeah practice makes real exactly exactly as long as you try that's all you can ask for trying is the most important thing now what is some advice you have? I like when you talk about um, processing um, and if there's a negative emotion, allowing ourselves to feel it as opposed to not allowing it and then somehow pushing it down and where it's going to explode later. So let's say someone wants to sit in it and feel it. Um, then you talked about letting go of the energy. Um, or do you have any suggestions for how then to go from that moment where you're processing to how, like, how to let it go? So... For me personally, when I process, I tend to write. I have a journal and I write. You can write, you can draw, you can listen to music, you can read. That's my way of processing whatever it is that I need to express, talk to a friend. For me, that's my way of processing. Everyone is different. But after I let go of that, sometimes it still lingers on and it's not as easy as switching it on and off I think you're always going to be in between a process and focusing that energy because it's not something that like I said you can turn on and off so the more you practice it the easier it will become but after you allow yourself to absorb that energy and then let it go in the sense of let it go for me after I let it go so whether I write it or reading or whatever it is I'm watching tv or a movie um you have to be able to tell yourself that this is part of life and life is gonna keep moving on time doesn't really stop for anyone ever so you have to keep fighting the world won't stop for nothing. People you love will pass away and you will have to keep moving on. It's just the way it works. So you have to keep processing. You have to keep practicing. You have to keep moving. Life is too short not to live this way. Yeah. No, it's really true. And so when you're writing, do you have a process for how you write? When you're pro like, Do you have a process for your writing process? <laughs> so for me... Um, I tend to like start off with like whatever is on my mind at the current moment. So like if I had a, a not so good day at work, which happens here and there, um, I'll start off with literally I'll go off. Like when I mean I go off, I will start cursing and huffing and just speaking out loud every feeling, whether I'm sad, whether I'm mad, just writing it out. Um, and then I'll go into calming myself and controlling myself and telling myself, why am I allowing this outside thing to affect my inner me? I'm so much more than this. I need to be more in control of myself because no one should have that much energy over me. No situation should have that much energy over me. So once I let go of that, then I move on to, okay, now I'm able to Let's go to the next step and then take it day by day, nice and slow, next step, day by day. You're really loving with yourself. You know, it's like first you just act, it's sort of like your own best friend, right? You're your own best friend in this process. You just dump it out at first. You know, you just say everything you need to say and you sit there listening to yourself, right? The, I always say the pen and paper are the best listeners in the world. And then you kind of switch to this best friend voice that 
that that calmly reasons with you and starts, you know, talking about taking back your power and taking back your control in just this really supportive, loving way. It's like, you know, you have this best friend who gets you completely. Yeah. But it all, like I said, it all comes from your mind. And it, it's, it's not that easy. I, I have so many close friends that have dealt with some sort of depression or my father deals with depression. And the mind is so complicated. You know, I, I wish a fix was easy to snap your hands, but I really think it takes a lot of work and a lot of practice and you have to want it. You have to put in your effort and it all starts with your mindset and having control over it. I truly believe that. Do you ever find that there's like a gap between getting them to want it enough to do it? Do you find people that, you know, the, the break between healing is... is... Yes, <laughs> there's, there is a huge gap. And I almost wonder if it's like a, a chemical imbalance. Because I, I, I kind of start, I'm starting to like see that maybe it is a chemical imbalance in your, in some, somewhere in your brain cells where it's not completely, something's off. Something's not allowing you to feel, feel, feel love for yourself. It, it's not allowing you. So it's something that you need help with. In order to get that help, I always say, I, I don't care if it, you go to church. I don't care if you pray. I don't care if you see a psychologist, something. You need some type of outlet in order to help you heal. And healing starts very young because we've gone through so many traumatic experiences when we were younger. That is why we are the way we are, and it starts there. So we need to start taking care of ourselves there and healing now. Yeah. Um, Have you witnessed, like, amazing, you know, people like in, in terrible situations where they had that, that, that gap of self-love and were totally, their body got messed up. And, you know, one of those stories where someone might say, wow, if that person could get through that, then there's for sure hope for me too. Are there any inspirational stories of, that you could share? Yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, I had a client of mine who... I used to see a physical therapy clinic and once her Medicare insurance was up, I saw her on the side, just one-on-one. And she was coming off of being, um, she just had a total knee replacement. So her, and she was also very much overweight, like a good 50, 60 pounds overweight. And she was like, can I see you one-on-one? And She, at that time, had been dealing with a lot. Her husband had just passed away. She was 76, 78, around there. And she was depressed, and she was obviously gaining weight because of the situation she was in. And once me and her started doing just one-on-one sessions, little by little, we took steps for her to, to consume You know, if something makes you happy, don't take it away. Just have a bite of it instead. You know, we worked out one day a week and I told her, you know, at least three days a week, try to, you know, come out and do the bike for like 10, 15 minutes. And she did. And in one year, she lost about 70, 80 pounds. And her mental state of mind 
had just become happier. She was she was growing flowers. She was having fun with her grandchildren. I'm not trying to say that she's in a um, much better, but she's at least her mind is more not as depressed as she used to be. I think she has less moments where she's sad. Um, luckily for me, she's good and she's great now, and I I'm super proud of her. But I don't even see her anymore because she's you know she's done her way. We still keep in touch, but. I'm just, I'm very fortunate to have her as a client on the side. She was great. It's that bittersweetness, right, of being as good as your job as you are is that eventually you're going to leave and you don't get to keep working with the wonderful people. Yeah. Um, but that really is a good story because when you think about, you know, putting ourselves in that woman's, what must have been her shoes, you know, you said she was in her 70s, her husband dies, she has a knee replacement, I mean, and she's already you know, overweight and to be facing that at that age, it's almost as if life is just over and you could feel as I could just see it being like, you almost think you're just going to die, you know, and it's almost a choice between, are you going to live or are you going to die? And it sounds like she made the choice to live. Yeah. She's doing good. I'm proud of her. Very proud of her, but she's contagious now. I hope so. So she's spreading, spreading that love. Yeah. Talk to me more about that. I know that's something you really believe in. Um, and I know it's like how you are with your energy when you meet people. So I try every morning I wake up, I try to tell myself that, you know, I, I think it's extremely important that us as human beings try to be as contagious as possible. And this, I'm starting with myself. So every time I walk into a room, I try to make it as positive, positive, positive as possible. So whether it's my office, whether it's in the clinic, wherever it is, whether it's with my family, I try to walk in there and just try to have a forward movement in that space so that someone feels special and that can keep moving forward and passing it on. And that person becomes contagious and that person spreads. And maybe that goes all around this world and more humans actually love and take care of each other instead of all the negativity that's going currently around. It's so beautiful. So it's really about what you're talking about is making someone feel special, always looking for that opportunity to make someone feel special. And that's the thing that then becomes contagious. Exactly. Exactly. You, you, and it could be the littlest things. I always tell people it's like holding the door open, you know, it's like the littlest things or saying, thank you. It's, it's so sad that we don't say thank you enough or just, being kind, smiling, just being being there for each other, you know, asking someone, how's your day? How was your weekend? And actually meaning it, not just saying it for small talk, like want to do it, be good just for, not just for yourself, but for everyone, everyone in this world and, and make sure that you spread it. Yeah, I think we underestimate how lonely everyone around us truly is. And the value that we can bring to a person's life just by standing in front of their face, looking them deeply in the eyes and listening to what they say back when you say, how are you or what's going on and caring what they say back. Yeah. I don't think we do it enough. I think we do it out of, you know, every day. Hey, how are you? No, I don't think that's enough. It needs to be more of, Hey, how how you doing? How are you feeling? You know, how was your weekend? What you been up to? I you told me about 
you were doing this last week. How, how did that go? Actually have a conversation, actually get to know that person. Actually, it can be, it doesn't have to be as long as, you know, a couple, it doesn't have to be as long as an hour. It could be a couple of minutes, but just having that time to slow down and just focus your energy on that one person who you're talking to and just being there for them, just listening. And it might be the, the most connection that that person is going to have that whole week. And you know, and it's so easy. It takes nothing. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Exactly. And, and like I said, you shouldn't do it because you feel forced to, you should do it because you just genuinely want to, because you would want someone to do the same for you. So do that for someone else or just, you just want the world to be a better world. And so you have to make sure that you make it that way or try your best to do your part to. Yeah. So much of what's wrong in the world could be made so much better if people were just living more with that, what that level of, of empathy and sensitivity that you're talking about. I mean, that, that sensitivity of knowing that the person in front of us, no matter who they are, um, is a, a son or a daughter of somebody and, a, you know, or a brother or sister of somebody. Or... Exactly. And it, and it stems from healing. You have to heal yourself, love yourself so you can spread so that you are able to give you at the same time as giving, taking care of yourself. Give, take, give, take. We have to be more accepting of each other and loving of each other. It's it's so sad to me that all, all this injustice is happening and the world and all these fires and the pandemic and all the election. I can go on and on. And I'm just thinking to myself, we have so much healing to do, so much loving to do. Let's take care of ourselves so that we can actually unite and be more one and be more loving and actually take care of this world. It's, it's, it's just that it's really sad. So I try not to talk about it in, in that way, but as far as taking care of each other, it's so important. It really is. And I don't, I don't hear it spoken about it enough. And, and I love the things that you talked about. You talked about, you know, holding a door open, looking in someone's eyes and just saying thank you and meaning it and that kindness and giving someone a smile and asking questions with the genuine care and curiosity about what their answer might be, um, you know, leaning into connection with, with really whoever's around, just really recognizing this is a person. This is a person with feelings and, you know, maybe feels really lonely right now, especially in COVID world. Everyone's extra lonely. Yeah, we're all going to need some form of therapy or church or religion. I don't care what it is. We're going to need it all during this time, after this time, for a long time. It's there. (laughs) We're going to need it. Yeah, and, you know, it's so interesting because I didn't grow up very religious, and I'm not. I wouldn't consider myself religious in, a, in like, any sort of organized religion way. But the older I get, the more I really do realize, you know, when you talked about the importance of, of prayer and this, this like, this, what we're, I think a lot of this part of the healing that you're talking to is the spiritual side of it, right? That part of us, that there's some sort of connection to all other people, like, there, you know, and that, and that desire to to be a part of all humanity kind of thing is there's something to it, right? Yeah, exactly. Exactly. It's so important. It's so something we overlook. It's, you know, it's, it's a, it's almost like the littlest thing that we just walk right over. It shouldn't be something that 
hard for us to do, but we just have to hopefully work on it and practice it. And, you know, it takes time. It's going to take a lot of time. So, I mean, one of the things I think that does hold us back from being that way with each other is, um, is that life is hard and, and, and we, you know, there's, there's times where we're going to be angry and mistrustful of other people and all of that. Do you have any advice around that? Because I'm sure that that can also get in the way of healing anger and all of that. Do you have any advice for? It's so hard to, I recently, I had a best friend for over 16, 17 years and about, I think it was this year, actually, we just stopped talking and, you know, it's it's been really hard because she was like my best friend. But um, when I actually look back at our relationship and I look back at what type of energy we had towards each other, it almost made me think as if it wasn't adding anything positive in my life. It was almost bringing me down. And and she she wasn't that type of person, but I felt like I needed to take care of her or be there for her. And so I took on that, um, all that negative energy she was holding on to. And I, and I, and I shouldn't have. And when me and her broke our ways, our friendship almost felt like letting go, you know, and it's, and it's something that is not easy to do. I think we have to just really work at it and, and it's and it's and it's not something that it's just one day to the next. It's just practice, a lot of practice, trying to work at it, baby steps every day. Make a little effort. Not saying that you're not gonna have a bad day, but you just have to try your best. That is all. Keep at it. And what you were letting go of with this friend was the negativity that you took on. Yeah, yeah. So it was mostly her she was dealing with a lot emotionally and she was depressed. And so I took on that role as like, I need to get her help. I need to help her. She doesn't have any help. So I was taking that on when I should have been just telling her, you know, you need to do your part. You need to do your part. But instead I was doing the opposite. I was doing it for. So like a codependency. Exactly. And you had to break that habit. Yeah. Yeah. Codependency is interesting. Yeah. Extremely. So what are some other aspects of healing then that are worth discussing? So for me, I think a big part of it is you can't only do it physically. We forget that we have an emotional and a a mental state. So we have to not only focus on healing, whether it's physical therapy, we have to focus on healing mentally and we have to focus on healing, letting go our childhood experiences I always say when we've dealt with so many so many different situations as children that we should have never dealt with and I think that affects us now and so we have to let go of that there's been many different ways that we've all experienced some type of pain and we we need to just express process and let go of it yeah Um, do you have advice for that of those? Do you have any specific practices that you like to do for that? Yeah. So I also, uh, clean, 
and I'm an organizer. So it's, it's, it's like my number one thing. I don't, not everyone is though. Like you, you have to find your itch. Everyone has a different itch, you know, whether it's, you know, like I said, reading, writing, I clean, I will burn sage. I will start taking a hot bath, singing, you name it. Any, I will take a bath and cry, whatever it is that is going to help me that day get through it. And I will find whatever way it is every day, just practicing something different, trying something different every day, if I need to. And when it comes to working with clients, you know, you must know a lot about sort of gaining trust and really, because people really have to turn over their trust to you. What have you learned about people through that process? So humans obviously are all different, but I think we forget that every human communicates differently and every human listens to certain things differently. So you can't communicate to everyone the same way. And what I mean by that is if I'm working in the Bronx, in the South Bronx, and I'm at a clinic there in a very low income area, I'm going to talk differently than if I am in Chelsea area of Manhattan. I will talk differently. So communication and how they listen to you, humans are very different and you have to be able to find the way that they learn to listen and the way that you can actually help them because everyone learns different. Yeah, know your audience. Yeah, exactly. And I think that also some people are really intuitive at it. I can, you might be really intuitive at being able to do that. Um, but other people, it's, it's a lot of observation, right? Really paying attention to the other person and seeing how they're responding and then being able to sort of change. Exactly. Yeah, I think that's something I feel. I, I'm very blessed that I think I have a little bit of that power, <laughs> a little bit where I'm able to like read someone as soon as I meet them. But at the same time, I still need that little bit of watching their body language, hearing them speak for a little bit. But usually I know pretty upfront which way I should talk to this human. Yeah. And then what are some things you watch for to help you gauge as you go and make sure you're on the right track? So for me, eyes for sure. So looking at someone's eyes, you know, having them look at you straight in the eyes, usually that means they're, you know, very comfortable with how they're speaking, their arms, whether they cross their arms, the way they sit, the way they talk the way they stand, especially their posture. If you stand up tall, it's different than if you stand up shrug, you know? So there's many different ways of um, me trying to figure it out, but also just as soon as you're present, so as soon as you walk into a room, do I notice you? Do I not notice you? How are you standing? How are you walking? You know, so it's, 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 there's a lot of different things. So talk to me about this. So let's just say someone has like good posture and they look confident. What does that tell you about them and the way that you can talk to them compared to someone that might be, you know, look a little more hunched over and less comfortable in their body? So if someone's, if someone's the opposite, <laughs> if someone's more, their self-esteem or self-confidence seems a little low, that's how I know to approach that person with, how are you doing? You know, you know, I, I listen more than anything. If someone's on the sense of they're shy or they're intimate, I want to listen. I want to try and find out what type of, why, why are you this way? Are you okay? Do you need me? Do you need help? You know, I'm, I'm here for you, whoever you are. 
But if someone walks into the room with self-confidence, a tall stand, you can tell their presence. I usually don't approach them that way. I approach it the opposite way where I use you and I go, oh, you're going to listen to me talk now about myself because <laughs> I'm going to vent. It's my turn. <laughs> That's so great. And then how do they and do they like that? Like, is it because they're more able to hold that energy from you and they're able to what's that about? Yeah, so usually it, it uh, backfires on me majority of the time because they'll start talking about themselves. But at least I get my two niche in. Um, but it's it, 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 it's different for each and every person. But it, it goes back and forth. It's usually they go, I go, they go, I go. Because they're not really listening to what I'm saying <laughs> as far as what I'm going through. They're only listening to what they want to hear. That's really funny. Selfish people only listening to themselves. Well, is there any way to penetrate them for that? Or it's, that's not what they're, they're not even, doesn't even matter. Is there any way to penetrate them for that? Um, I would need to get to know them a lot more for that. Yeah. I would need to get to understand your ins and outs, how you are. So it, it, it's a more, it's much more digging, just learning more about you. So I'm listening as they talk, but I'm also talking about myself like a multitask <laughs> yeah but it's good and as you listen you get to learn more so you can you can penetrate them that way um but it's really sweet when you talk about the ones that when you see that they're more insecure and they need you more listening asking if they're okay it's funny because one the ones that are confident they do talk a lot and then the others you have to try and get them to talk a lot so that they yeah. can the opposite that they can open up yeah but i do think it's a form of healing in its own way especially for the people who are more shy and intimate. So I want them to feel like they have a voice and that you are important. That's my way of that positive energy and spreading it, being contagious. Yeah. And it, it really probably does so much more for their day in their life than we'll ever realize. So. Yeah, exactly. What are some other pieces of advice you have for people about just feeling better in their own bodies and in their own lives? So I definitely want to say that um, a lot of people don't aren't as nice as they should be to themselves. I feel like we put a lot of pressure on ourselves with whatever it is or pressure that you're accepting from other people. And we have to remember to... Just be easy and be, be nice to yourself. Be humble to yourself. Be, it's okay to have a bad day. It's okay to have 10 bad days. Just be nicer to yourself. You just got to keep trying and keep loving yourself each and every day and try. It's all about tries and little things. Not every day is going to be easy. You have to try. So it's practice, 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 always. In the times that I've been hard to myself, I think one of the things in my head, the, the justification I, that I have in my head for that is that, of course I should, because I expect more for myself. And there's almost, you know, it's like if you have those high expectations, there's no way to stop because I haven't met the expectations. Therefore, you know, and I don't feel like, you know, I'd have to change my expectations to change the pressure. Do you have any advice about that? Does that make sense what I'm saying? Yeah, no, of course. It definitely makes sense. I think we all do that. I, I do that. I definitely do that. And I think it's it has something to do with maybe our upbringing. Maybe the fact that we were taught that 
this is not enough. You have to shoot for this. You have to keep doing more. And I think society kind of taught us wrong there. I think it's more of this is enough. But if you want more, you can do it. You're capable of doing You can keep going. Go ahead. But I think it has a lot to do with our upbringing and you need healing. You need to take care of yourself. You need to find a way of loving yourself more. How? We have to practice it. Baby steps. I think it's really interesting. You said society taught us wrong. You know, that idea that not enoughness, maybe that's, maybe that's a lie. The idea that we were ever not enough is, uh, is something wrong that society gave us. Yeah, yeah. Um, society messed us up in a lot of different ways. Sure did. It definitely yeah. did. <laughs> um, what are some other things, if you could just, you know, give people just more knowledge and wisdom about how to live better lives? What are some other things you just wish everybody? Yeah, so definitely um, going back to loving each other and loving the world. And I'm I'm a plant-based eater. And I think it's extremely important that you remember what you're consuming and what you're putting into your body because that also holds energy. That also holds souls and holds lots of power. So if you're consuming something that has been tortured or has been through some type of struggle, then that's in you. So I definitely think we should be more aware of what we're consuming, especially animals, chemicals, you know, the macaroni and cheese. My mom fed me macaroni and cheese growing up. She didn't know it had this chemical that they used to use in the Vietnam War that they spread, you know, and that all these kids now have this syndrome, you know, some type of chromosome messed up, you know. So it's like my mother didn't know that, but now she's aware of it. So it's, you know, you have to be more aware. And the internet's great for that. The, the internet's amazing for that. You have to be more aware of what you're consuming and what you're putting into your body because it holds a lot of energy. And that goes with food, that goes with lotion, cream, deodorant, you name it, everything, because chemicals are all over. You are singing my song here on this one. The chemicals that are all around us, most of us don't realize the poisonous environment, the toxic stew that we're living in and the extent to which it's all off-gassing all around us and we're inhaling it and breathing it in and plastic everywhere. And I've actually been a vegetarian since 1996, so it's been quite some time. But, but vegan like you the last year, only the last year. <laughs> That's great. That's great. You see, that's good. That's, a, that's great. Baby steps. <laughs> yeah. No, so I couldn't agree with you more about any of this. And then also, I think when you talk about remember what you're consuming, I think that's true, um, but not just in terms of the food that we eat, but also the stuff that we buy and what we spend our money on. And, you know, because money is, is a piece of our freedom too, right? It's a part of, of what we've, we've given our life energy to earn. And then when we give it away... And just from being, just having more awareness of, um, you know, you talked about society taught us wrong, right? We do live in this consumerist society. You talked about remembering what you consume. We're living in this materialistic consumerism-based society where so much of what we're consuming is bad for our bodies. It's bad for the earth. It's bad for our bank account. 
Um, and then the more we don't have the money, the more stressed we are in our lives because we have to work harder and be more stressed about money. And it just causes this overall unhappiness. So a pattern, a cycle, and it's all based off your expenses. Like you should, you know, lower your expenses a little more. Why do you need this? <laughs> you know, it's, you know, you have to be more aware, more aware, more knowledgeable. Were you always this um, wise and spiritual? Like what happened, you know, you talked about your ankle injury, but where did this, you know, you have a really grounded wisdom about you. Where did, would you say, was it always like this or did it come about later? I think I might've always been this way, but I also just, I just see the way humans treat each other. And I just could never be that type of person that can do any harm to another human. So I, I, I may, I think I was just, I was, I was, brought up this way I might have been assembled this way um but I I just wished I was more contagious because we need more humans that actually care yeah your energy when anyone if you if, <laughs> if you ever meet Jenny in person it'll be pretty clear the minute she walks in this energy that that she has it's it's really um pretty incredible but do you feel like you're your, it almost seems like there's this almost an old wise person inside of you. You're like, you know, your age going on like 105, you know, in terms of your wisdom. Everyone always says I'm like the mother of the group, right? <laughs> you know, I'm like the mom. Jenny, stop being the mom. Jenny, stop. Even when I was in high school, Jenny, stop. No, don't stop. Don't stop. Don't stop. My thing. I'm just like. No, I need to be the mom because every one of you is acting like children and we can't act like children anymore. <laughs> we have to be mindful. We have to be aware. We have to remember that, you know, we are humans and we have to take care of one another. You know, it's sometimes, you know, acting like children might be better because then you won't see color. Then we're all, you know, loving each other. But I wish it was that simple. It's not. It's not. And and so... I know we've been talking about the same things. You're talking about loving each other more and practicing and, and being nice to self, but are just, I almost like want to give a Jenny pill to everyone I meet. What are some other, is there anything else you can, <laughs> what are some other things that, that people can do to have a little more of, of this? You know, I, I think that who you surround yourself with is very important. And having that circle of loved ones, whoever they are, goes a long way. So don't forget that you need that those humans around you that are going to help you be the best that you can be. Because in life, you know, you got to always try and be a better form of yourself. And, you know, that, that happens with relationships and friendships. And it takes time. And from what you told us, it also takes a certain amount of bravery that if there's somebody in our inner circle that's doing the opposite. You have to let them go, which is sad, but you have to be sometimes selfish when it comes to it, depending on the situation. And I don't even like to use the word selfish, but sometimes you can't let people take advantage of you. But in some ways, what you're describing is um, it's like a short-term selfishness for a long-term non-selfishness because, you know, what we're also talking about is being able to give this beautiful energy to the world. And if there's someone, if there's one person taking that energy from you, then you won't have it to give to everybody else. Exactly. 
Exactly. Spot on. Spot on, Jordana. Spot on. <laughs> Jenny, you're the best. Is there anything I should have asked you that I didn't? Is there anything else that you can share that you would like to share? Um, no, that's, that's pretty much it. But I, I will say, you know, I have been very fortunate enough to meet you and the little time that I spent with you. You're a special individual, so please continue to do what you're doing, okay? So I appreciate you having me on this show. Uh, Jenny, you're wonderful. And thank you for, for coming on the podcast. So nice seeing you. You're welcome. And now I would love to hear from you. We covered a whole lot of things in this episode, but I'm curious. What of the many things we talked about was the most impactful for you? Head on over to the blog at womenwantingwomen.com and let us know. And if you're interested in finally finding the woman of your dreams so you could be best friends who learn and grow together and share your dreams together and have adventures together and share passionate intimacy together, then there are tons of free resources for you on womenwantingwomen.com, including a guide to quickly and easily eliminate rejection from your life, a quiz to find out what qualities the woman of your dreams will find most attractive about you when you meet her, a report that explains the three biggest mistakes most women make when coming out and how to avoid them, and a free matchmaking survey you can fill out in case I already know the woman of your dreams. All of that is free at womenwantingwomen.com. And when you claim your free access to any of those things, you automatically become a Jordana Michelle Insider, which will give you instant access to an email training series I created to help you get on your game to finding your soulmate faster and easier, and to help you grow the deepest possible love together once you finally do meet. Plus, you'll get exclusive content and special giveaways and some personal updates from me that I just don't share anywhere else. So go to womenwantingwomen.com and check it out for yourself and share it with any other LGBT women that you think can benefit from what I'm offering there. Until next time, keep remembering that hot lesbians are everywhere, that love is real, and that the woman of your dreams is on her way into your life in perfect timing. Thank you so much for listening, and I'll catch you next time on Women Wanting Women. Women.